Welcome to Life, Love, and Hustle, the podcast that uncovers the story behind the stories of entrepreneurs, artists, and activists making an impact in their business, community, and the culture. Join us for these intimate conversations with ordinary people working to do extraordinary things and hear their journey through struggle, triumph, growth, and change. Now, here's your host, Chad Smith. What's up? It's your boy, Chad, here, and you are back live in effect in the Life, Love, and Hustle studio, and I'm coming off of having a cold, so please forgive me if I don't sound as A-plus as usual, um, but today I'm joined by a special individual. Not only is he the owner, operator, and founder of the world's largest internet uh, radio station that focuses on uh, house music. It's called House Music 101. Um, he is also a newly discovered brother. Yeah, that's right. Listen, you know, you guys out here using these um, uh, DNA programs, you know, you about to get snitched on. Well, we we, we discovered each other uh, via 23andMe, and uh, it's it's a crazy story, and we can't wait to tell you all about it. Please welcome Mr. Stephen Roberts. What's going on, bro? Hey, how are you doing? It's a great day. Man, if I got any better, I'd be you. <laughs> so so you are not only the uh, uh the founder and owner of house music 101 um but you're also a family you're the first member of my family to be on my podcast how do you feel about that fantastic privileged and honor i mean you know you wouldn't be my first pick but you know you'll do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a really good similarity the humor <laughs> so yeah, so like I said, uh, we discovered each other on uh, 23andMe. So uh, do you want to tell the story? You can. I, I'll jump right in there. All right, so what uh, yeah. So what had happened was my cousin Katrina did a 23andMe test, sent her DNA into the feds, uh, got her results back, and found out that she had a maternal cousin out west. And um, she was she's like, I don't have any relatives and in Washington State. What's going on here? So, uh, I guess what happened was she contacted you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she contacted me on uh, 23andMe. Um, I was, I did the test, I think, a year and a half, maybe two years prior, and one day, um, I don't log in very often, like once every month or two, I logged in, um, and I was getting hits from relatives that are like uh, sixth cousin once removed, and, and things like that. <laughs> I just assumed that it was just me. I was alone. And then uh, I got a contact from Katrina um, maybe a year and a half after I uh, got the first test, which was a gift. It was a Christmas gift. And um, she said, uh, you look like us. And I responded, tell me more. <laughs> and while I typed that in, I was looking at that and said, oh, wow, she's a close cousin. Okay, there might be something here. And I looked at her profile picture and said, wow, we look a lot alike. So I got really excited then because yeah, that was my first hit. And then she said, uh, do you mind if I uh, start some stuff? And I said, start whatever you want to start. <laughs> I'm open to anything and everything. I'm, I'm very curious, very, very curious. And she got back to me like an hour later and um, said that she was sure that we were related and we were looking at the 23andMe results and it said that we were we were uh, first cousins, and I was like, wow, that's really close. 
And so I looked and said, yeah, our DNA is really close and it was authentic. So I got really excited for the first time. So I thought, oh, well, great. You know, I have a, I have a cousin out there somewhere. And then she says, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and then she said, do you want everything? And I said, yeah, anything you have, um, anything. And so she asked me, um, she asked me who my, um, if I knew who my birth mother was. And when I was, when I was adopted, I knew, um, um, my parents wrote down the name cause they said one day I might want to know. And to my shock, I called, called, uh, on the phone and said, Hey, um, do you by chance remember what my birth mother's name was? And they said, uh, without even looking it up, um, they said, uh, it's either Mary Smith or Victoria Smith. And I just went with Victoria Smith. I said, Victoria Smith. Um, and Katrina's like, bingo. <laughs> You're what? And then I told her, I said, yeah, I was, I was born, I was born in Hagerstown, Maryland. And, um, and I said, um, I pretty much know everything. I said, I've always been told everything from the get go. And, and so the DNA test made everything possible. Anything before that I've tried, don't get me wrong. I was, I've been looking, um, for a long, long time since I was in my late teens, but technology and stuff what it is and what it was at the time just wasn't there no that's the thing about um about the technology um you see the same thing with ai ai has made a lot of things possible that weren't possible before and with the advancement of dna technology it's made a lot of things possible that weren't possible before also so you can identify completely dna trees now before you kind of had to do it with pictures and um, like birth death records and you had to triangulate and you know quantify carry the six <laughs> so, but now it's so instant and i've had people tell me that they found uh, they found out that their siblings weren't their siblings um uh, or their parents one of their parents wasn't their real parent um it's it's crazy like the family secrets that it's uncovering like it's uncovering family secrets like when i found out like when katrina now to uh um piggyback off what you're saying when my cousin katrina shout out to katrina how are you shout out to katrina when she came to me and she said chad i gotta i gotta tell you something i don't know if you're gonna like it yeah and she was nervous. She was all kinds of nervous. And I said, Katrina, I said, just tell me. Like, what's 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 going on? I said, now you're making me like worried. Like, what's going on? I thought she was gonna tell me maybe she was sick or something like that. But she said, um, I think you have a brother. I was like, I know I do. He's he's down south, like my my brother Paul. He's like, no, 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 like like from your mom. I was like, stop playing. I said, my mom don't have any more kids. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people know that my mom was, quote unquote, a lesbian back in the day. And uh, the circumstances around my conception have always been a mystery to me. Because I never really asked her because uh, she never dated a man. She always had women in her life when I was growing up. So I had no idea how I came about. I never asked. I didn't know. So when I found out about you, I was like, come on, man. I say, yeah, what is going on here? So uh, she showed me a picture of you and not only do you look like her, but you look like an adult version of my son with a beard. <laughs> Jeez, I was like, wow, if this is a lie, this is the best, most accurate lie I've ever seen in my entire life. So she said, you want to talk to him? I said, 
you know what? Let me take a couple of days. Look, let me let me get back with you. So let me let me think about that because I'm in shock because now I've got questions. You know, now I've got all types of questions. I'm like, what? Who knew what and when? And why did anybody tell me if they knew? No one knew nothing. No one knew anything. I talked to my aunt. Now, um, according to my aunt Tony, shout out to my aunt Tony. How are you, by the way? According to my aunt Tony, like she she knew she was pregnant. Like my aunt knew she was pregnant because they were roommates at the time. They were living together, but um, she didn't know she had the baby because my mom told her she lost the baby. And apparently she vanished for a little while after she got out of the hospital. She was uh, apparently, you know, pretty upset by um, by what happened. Uh, and apparently what had happened was that, um, of course, you know, you'll tell this story in a minute, but you were actually put up for adoption. Uh, a great family, uh, thank God a great family uh, adopted you. And you were raised, were you raised in Washington State or where were you raised? No, I was, um, I was, first I was raised for a little while in Maryland, um, I believe around Norfolk. Ah. And then I read after that in short order, right around, Ches- I remember being around Chesapeake Bay. It's like, those are my first memories mm. is Chesapeake Bay, the chocolate water and the ferry boat that crossed the water. I remember that, that type of water. Yeah. Then we moved to, um, Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, wow. For years, lived there for years. And then, um, the shocking part for me was going from Jacksonville, Florida, um, which probably had, I was guessing 40% African-American, quite nice for me yeah. to cancer. I was the first kid to go to this grade school the night. The, I call it the great nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> what part of Kansas were you raised in? What part of Kansas? Southeastern Kansas, rural, it's rural. I think our county had like 20,000 people. Oh, you were out there in farmland. Oh, it was from that. It was, it was unique, very different. Okay. Now, so how does this, now, how old were you then? How old were you? Um, Florida, uh, we moved to Florida. I was in the kindergarten, uh, yeah, uh, kindergarten, first, second, first, second grade. And then we moved to Kansas for my third grade. Oh, wow. Kansas from third grade to high school graduation. Then I joined the military to get out of Kansas. Now, of course, uh, you know, how did your how did your parents like how did they address um the fact that you were an adopted member of their family and when did they address it? Did you ask about it or did they just say, Hey, Steve, let me let me holler at you real quick? Didn't have to. I I knew I knew. I knew. Um I knew uh I was one I I was one, but I re- I don't know how, but I remember. I remember being at an orphanage towards the end. I don't remember the f- arriving there, but I remember being at the orphanage uh, towards the end. And I remember, I remember the day I was adopted. And I remember, um, I remember a lot, shockingly. I know at that age, they say you're not supposed to remember, but I think it was such earth shattering. But my adoptive parents told me that I, they told me that I was loved and that and that um, I, that it was really hard uh, for um, my birth mom, my mom, to um, give me up for it. But I was told that she wasn't ready, and I was told that the dad wasn't ready. But I was told that the mom specifically wasn't ready. So I understood in that. But they told me they told me that um, they told me that I would carry her lifetime of love. Hmm. I remember being at a young age. And, um, that's why they maintained her name. Uh, they maintained her name for me 
um, and everything. I said, you know, one day if I have an opportunity, um, I should do a lookup. I remember, I remember also being told that, you know, there's a good chance in the future might, might be another serial or two. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so looking lo and behold, I was excited when they came out with the DNA. It was, it was really impressive to know that that technology is here now and all that curious. And I just put my name out there. I, I wasn't sure what anybody's reaction would be, but I was open to, I was open because I know sometimes people are rejected and they don't want the, you know, people intruding on a new life that they may have built. So I knew there was a risk in there. I was willing, I was happy to take that risk. In my mind, I was always prepared to be told, no, you know, we, we don't, we kind of want to keep that a secret. And so I was prepared to, to, to get that news and stuff like that. Um, I was just going to ask them some health questions. That was my minimum was, can you yeah. ask health questions? Cause I've had a, a lifetime of, of decent health. And so I was just curious that there was some risk in there. So I didn't know I was going to get, I didn't know I was going to get the, the golden prize. The, you golden, got the golden ticket, man, get the golden ticket. Okay. So, so let's fast forward to where you actually came. So, um, I grew up in Hagerstown, Maryland. And um, when you and I talked, it was crazy because it was wild how unlike we really are. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it, it was almost eerie how alike we are. So uh, we were in, we're actually both in the comic books, like the same characters. We're both in broadcasting. Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. house house music one on one. Me with yeah. several podcasts that I've done in the past. Um, we're both into fitness. You know, uh, you were in the army. Um, uh, you were, you don't know this. You don't know this about me, but growing up, I was obsessed with professional wrestling. Obsessed. That's crazy, man. Yeah, and and people know I was a professional wrestler. So <laughs> I was obsessed with it. I I used to always go to every every professional wrestling that came to town. I was obsessed. I even worked security to be able to get in and, and get in for free. Get out of here. Who's some of your favorites? Oh gosh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna age myself, but <laughs> Andre the Giant, George the Animal Steel, um, oh gosh, there's so many, there's so many. It's just, I just liked it all. I liked all of them, the good folks, the bad folks. It was just impressive feats of strength. I was fascinated by people's, you know, amazing uh, abilities that they that they display. It's just incredible to watch. I've actually worked with George Steele a couple of times. He was booked on a couple of shows. I was booked on. He's 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 a character. <laughs> Even backstage, he he was a different kind of cat. Like he would do magic tricks backstage. <laughs> yeah, he would do magic tricks. So I remember one time. I think it was the first time I met him. Um, everyone said, Hey, uh, flex, you know, that was my name back then was, was, was flex. He said, flex, he says, Hey, uh, George might do his, his levitation trick. I was like, he's got a levitation trick. So yeah, like it's float, dude, it's creepy as hell. And I forget what all he did, but he, he actually ended up, I don't know what the trick is, but he actually ended up like levitating off the chair he was sitting on and everyone was freaking out because they saw him lift off this chair. It was nuts. That would freak me out. <laughs> I didn't see. What's that? I didn't see anything like that. 
Yeah, it was crazy, man. Yeah, and he uh yeah, but he's a good dude though. But um but yeah, so uh we're a lot alike and it was also really cool because I, I remember the first time we spoke, we ended up talking for quite a while, man, and I really remember being uh, my feelings were I was feeling um kind of sad that because um mom had had uh, been deceased for a few years and a she wasn't going to get to see her her oldest boy growing up and b you know you weren't going to get to meet mom so i remember being kind of sad about that and at first i was i was kind of angry because i felt like if someone knew they should have told me but nobody knew so that, that was a good thing no one had to incur my wrath for that i was interviewing everybody too my aunt my grandma I said what did y'all know did y'all know anything you know but no one knew and uh, they were all really curious about you so i remember it was thanksgiving of that year when i set up a video call with everyone in the family do you remember this remember that it made my day that was wonderful so how'd you feel the first time that you got to talk to everyone that that, that day it was amazing i was there was some some, some amazing characters but i was really blown away how i looked similar to a lot of folks there's a lot of folks that i can tell i can tell um that i was related to very closely um just by their facial uh, expressions the way they looked and personalities and things like that it comes out by just watching folks <laughs> yeah, it was it was impressive i remember um Antoni, mm. i believe looking uh looking at the camera and i remember the camera panned away and i remember distinctively her saying that he <laughs> he looks just like her oh 100 you do i'm gonna try to remember i'm gonna try to post up a side by side of uh, you and her so everyone can see the actual resemblance i said i think he looks more like her than i do <laughs> he got the bulk of her genetics i think i got more of my dad I snatched as much of that DNA as I did from the <laughs> Let me give me it. Give me all of it. All of it. Mm -hmm. Now let's fast forward to where uh, where you actually got an opportunity to come to Hagerstown. So talk about that. Talk about what made you want to come to Hagerstown. Then what was your experience when you did? I just wanted to get a whole lot of questions answered. I wanted to see where I was from. I think that's really important as an adult to know where you come from and to know what stock you have. And I know there's lots of family, obviously, that are living. And, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's family genes, family gene pool. And I wanted to meet as many people as I can because that, tell, that tells me more about myself. And going there in person and seeing where you're from, where you currently have family living, and getting the backstory of your birth town and all this stuff, you know, um, it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. it it's something anybody and everybody that's adopted should do. You should always, you know, you should always backtrack and, and check out your roots and see where you, where you come from, no matter whether people want you to or not, you should definitely go back and see and understand. I understand now today more than ever who I am. And I realize, you know, the way I've been this is okay. And here's the funny part. Okay. So I'm adopted. I was adopted. All my family and my Caucasian family that adopted me, all Caucasian, they're all Caucasian and the funny thing is, is people that don't know I'm adopted would never guess that I was raised by Caucasian folks and would have no clue. And my DNA that I come from is so strong. <laughs> There's no amount of education or training 
that can smother it. It just comes out. It always happens. And going back there made me realize more than ever that I am who I am. I, there's no doubt about it. I always wondered well, what I have turned out differently. And no, you know, um, I've always had folks that don't know me that meet me and ask me, do you think I would have turned out differently? They have taken a different path, you know, made poor choices. And I said, well, first of all, I've made poor choices now. <laughs> Not that many, but no, I said, I, I, after going to Hagerstown, without a doubt, I know exactly who I am and I would have turned out exactly the same. And that's the one thing I'm really most proud of with that trip. Other than the important thing of getting to meet folks and realize that I have a lot of similarities with a lot of people in the town of Hagerstown. And it's just, it was an, it was an absolute amazing trip. Now it was important enough, was important enough to me to cancel or tell all my friends that went to Mexico to Puerto Vallarta to a luxury, a luxury five-star resort. I turned that down to go to Hagerstown instead. And it wasn't hard. It was an easy decision. Oh my, like, I can't believe it. You had, you know, you, your friends, you know, they all had a penthouse and you turned that down. I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll do it again. It was a worthwhile trip. I, I'm so thrilled that I actually had the opportunity to go. It was well, the, best, the best part about your trip was we have way better snacks than you guys have in Seattle, apparently. Way better snack. You guys have really tasty things called catfish. Here we get salmon, 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 salmon. But it was nice getting something fit for a change. I was just, I couldn't, I've never had uh, deep fried catfish before. It was ridiculous. I couldn't, wow, man, you've never had fried catfish, man. Um, I've had catfish before, but not like that. Oh. Just, it was just fantastic. We don't have much in the way of Southern food opportunities up here in the great Pacific Northwest. Yeah, y'all like, like way too healthy over there. Like you gotta have some, you gotta have some, uh, some good like mid-Atlantic or Southern fried food, man. Stop playing around. Exactly. We don't have, it's rare. It's hard to find anything like that up here. <laughs> oh, I hear that. Never heard of, I have folks up here. Black folks up here that have never heard of things like uh, Seven Up cake, pound cake, um, never had greens. That's just disrespectful. I know. I'm like this outrage. Even I know how. Even I know how to make greens. Disrespectful, man. Disrespectful. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of greens, a uh, shout out to uh, to uh, my cousin Audrey making the best greens in the family. You know. Uh -huh. I think I have a taste of that. You gotta come around for Thanksgiving, man. You gotta bring your husband around. I know that's really tempting. I don't know. I might have to make a trip. It's coming up. Come on, man. Thanksgiving. No, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my head is turning. So let's talk about. So let's talk about. I look forward to. Yeah, you, yeah, man. You got to come back for the holidays. Um, Thanksgiving, Christmas. You know, take your pick. Uh, oh, and, and side note, um, I actually spent about three days with Stephen at his at the townhouse he rented. Man, that was that was fun. That was fun. That was so much fun, man. Like I never had a sleepover with uh, with a sibling before. Mm -hmm. And I had to get into my forties before I had my first uh my first uh, sibling sleepover. <laughs> Me too. My first time too. You know, um I was just was blown away when I woke up and uh not woke up, uh folks came over and uh made me uh funnel cake at home in the hours. It was so fantastic. Funnel cake breakfast, man. That's a famous Smith tradition. Funnel cake breakfast. I ate six. I ate six of them. Uh, oh, is that all? I, I thought you had more. I, 
I counted eight. There were four of my name. It was four plates. That's not it. My man was tearing them jaws up, man. So so let's talk about House Music 101 because it's so cool. Uh, now, so as people who don't know what House Music is, tell them all about that genre. You know, I tell people it's the sound of House Music is it's the cross between, it's like you take R&B, you take soulful R&B, put it in a blender uh, with disco, and then I'll, I believe out comes House that's a form of house that I like, um, vocal house, but there's different types. There's hard house, there's there's um, drum and bass, there's deep house, there's all kinds of stuff. And I gravitate towards vocal house. I like it when people sing a song and they tell a story mm. that you can really do. But you know, I'm always torn because I, I also have this love shock. You know, I tell people that, you know, it's in your DNA. I have a shocking love of hip hop um, also. So I always was torn. Do I want to do a house station or a hip hop station? And I always have that desire that pulls me. Some of my friends like just do a second station, but I'm like, I don't have enough time. Right, right, right. In the day and things like that. But, um, but that's what it sounds like. It's basically the cross between for me. It's the cross between R and B and disco. So how did you get the music? Music. It's a feel good music that is just fun to listen to while you're working. I have um, some people listen to the station that play it in their dental office of all places. Oh wow, what? Love it. New Orleans that plays it. Um, there's an, an airport in Alabama that plays it in the lobby. And um, there's strange, strange locations that play this, that play this station for some reason. <laughs> it's very interesting. A lot of record stores, and, but a lot of people uh, listen to it while they're at work. What made you decide to start uh, an internet radio station all about this, this house music? You know, I just stumbled upon it. Um, I was listening to, I was listening to a um, network that was called Live Three Sixty Five back in, back in the spring, spring of two thousand. I remember spring of two thousand, and I was like, "Gosh, I can. This is good, but I can do this way better." And so I just googled it. I I knew it was the network they were playing through, so I googled the name of the network and and looked it up and said, "Oh wow, I can launch my own station." And so I thought about it and I said, well, let me prepare. So I went back into my recordings. I have, um, I have one of the world's largest personal collections of house music. I think I'm up to about 24,000, um, tracks now, or albums. Wow. Putting all of the albums. Yeah. I've made them all digital. They're all digital now. But the truth it's between albums and singles, between LPs, there's LPs and, and see full CDs and things and compilations in there. I've digitized about 98% of uh, the station's um, music. But I remember preparing from spring till summer, I launched the station on the first birthday of August in 2000. And I remember it took me till spring till, till August to do everything I wanted to do. From day one, I wanted to be number one on that network. I wanted to crush the competition. And I wasn't going to be satisfied with being number two or number 20 or number 100. I, I was like, okay, I'm in it to get the crown, to get the, get that the big giant. I needed that big giant king crown. I wanted it. And then I said, I'm going to put it to work. So before I lost the station, I made sure that I had, I talked to a graphic specialist and I didn't like what they were doing. So I went and bought the software they were using and did my digital app myself. And then I bought, um, I bought, you know, a really nice computer, some software for, um, transferring vinyl to MP3 because most of my collection is vinyl. And you have to have a good software to make that translate into fantastic sound. Make it sound good, right? 
uh, for me, it's like, you know, I guess I have to have the best sound, the best logo, the best graphics. And then I'm one of the few stations that actually had a company do jingles, actual professional broadcast jingles, like you hear a radio station with their, you know, with the top of the hour, you know, with their slogan and, you know, being sung. I needed that because I wasn't satisfied with just me saying this is House Music 101 Radio. I wanted it to be, you know, professional from out of the box. And that's what I did. August, I was, re no, it was, a, yeah, July, I was ready. And so I timed it and said that midnight, August 1st, here we come. And then I launched it. I was shocked. Um, within a week, there was lots of listeners and I watched myself go up the ratings chart from like 100 um, up to 75 the next day. And then it was like 50 and then to the top 10. And once I got there, the growth, I knew I was like, oh, I'm gonna, oh, number one, here it comes. It's just a matter of time. The people discovering the station, the word of mouth. And, and then, yeah, less than, less than three months, I was number one on the entire network. Um, by the end of the, by the end of the year, um, I had pulled away probably 60% of all the house music listeners on the entire network from hundreds and hundreds of other stations. It was just domination. Um, but it was a passion. I loved the music and I liked it, but more than anything, I liked broadcasting. I used to go to the local radio station in Kansas and then get on the air and I would, I was uh sweet talk for DJ by by bringing them a sandwich and a, and a seven up. A sandwich and a seven up. You know what? That sounds like that's going to be a great name for your book one of these days. A sandwich and seven up. Seven up. You know what? It got me in the door, and then they were showing me the switchboard and and how to use how to how to do everything. And you know, now it's funny. My home studio, my broadcast equipment is digital and high definition, and it puts the hometown station to shame. That's like. <laughs> I can show him a thing or two about modern broadcasting and things like that. But you know, that sandwich and seven, I got me in the door and I was sweet floors, um, talk to the guy while he's on the air and he was playing hip hop, by the way, he played hip hop on the weekends and I would be able to control the things he put me on the air and, and talk all under the board. I wasn't paid. I would just go in there and then I would cover and then I got the cover for him when he was sick or on vacation. And I was, you know, I said, oh, this is my passion, entertaining people and stuff. You know, I'm getting in front of 300 people is not that bad. But cool thing is getting on the air with people. It's easier than that because nobody can technically see you. Of course, you can now do a live cast where you're on YouTube broadcast. And there's things you can do, to, you know, to do a live broadcast with people actually visualizing you. Yeah. For me, it's like entertainment and watching me pull the lever and push the lever up and click button. Well, well, listen, that's why I do a podcast. I have a face for radio, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, we try to keep it all audio around around these parts. We're related to our faces more than that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, how did you, now as it's growing, how did you begin to learn how to monetize it? Like actually like make money doing it? You know, I just would look up companies online like Home Depot and look up marketing people and uh, start calling and eventually I'd find the person or the department in charge of marketing. And I would just simply print the station's ratings or, um, scan them, scan it and then digitize it, um, and start showing them, you know, look what I can do. You know, I can, I can reach out and touch, you know, over a hundred countries 
around the world. You know, I can also, you know, um, do streams where only listeners in the United States can can um, hear your commercial. Oh, yeah. so, but, like U.S. Okay. Yeah. So there's technology. You can break it down so much. Just like with YouTube TV or something like that, people are, you know, are shocked that they can give you a commercial here that's different than one in Miami mm. and things. Like that. I, don't, I can't quite break it down as, as good as YouTube can, but, you know, broadcasters on the internet now can break things down. And you have, you have a worldwide global audience, you know, um, at your disposal with multiple countries and stuff. Um, it's just incredible to look at your stats. The other cool thing about internet radio is you can, you can break down your stats. You can see, I can tell you which cities in the United States this station does really well in. I can tell you how many listeners listening in the United States right now. I can tell you how many listeners are listening in Germany or the United Kingdom or Australia. I can tell you that New York City is really popular. Um, I can tell you that Los Angeles is really popular. I can tell you that um, Charlotte, North Carolina is super popular. Um, and I can also tell you I can also tell you that Kansas City, Missouri doesn't know much about how, so it's not that popular there. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, but it's surprising. It's surprising the pockets that people really enjoy it and things like that. And you can see how long a person listened. Like if you logged in right now or listening, I can actually see your IP address and I, I could block you where you could never listen again. Oh, wow. Have you ever had to do that? Um, yeah, I, uh, I do it a couple times a week. I block, I block people. There are some bots, but they're not actual people. They're bots that um, try to log in. The thing is, you don't want a person listening to your station that's not actually listening to your station yeah. because you have to pay royalties. A lot of people, you know, they've heard of pirate radio, you know, where people get an FM broadcaster and they, you know, without a license broadcast. We don't do that in, in the internet. Um, it's frowned upon. I can't do that. So all the music I play, I play, I pay royalties for. Um, everything I play that's copyrighted, I pay royalties to that artist and that record label. And so we have to track everything we broadcast with sophisticated software at the network level, and then they pay out the royalties and fees. And it's very, very expensive. Mm. Um, it's not uncommon for internet radio stations to pay tens of thousands, um, to hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in royalties. And so that now siphons a down comes out of profit. Now is that ASCAP? Yeah, ASCAP and BMI. Please, Zach. I remember yeah. when I had my gym, they were always trying to come after us for uh, mm -hmm. for ASCAP. Or, I'm like, no one, yeah. no one's dancing here, bro. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, you should have talked to me back then. We should have known each other back then because because I could have streamed. Uh, those royalties are paid, so you could have just showed them the license. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have created some good some good hip hop for you. Hey man, listen, we got to get set up with a hip hop channel. I know I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. As I get a little older, I'm like, okay, I might do something different. Hey, listen, I'll be your partner. Look, we can do this thing. Hey, you know, we can do it remotely. I have, um, I have a, I have a, what's called a second studio that it's not even used. It's still in the box. And, um, well, we could share the same software. You could broadcast your shows there. I could broadcast my shows here. When we're, neither one of us is on the air. There's sophisticated. So I have a sophisticated software program called DJ that runs everything. Um, people would have people have no idea whether or not I'm live or not. That's how good the software is. Yeah. Like the station's playing right now. People think I'm on the air right now. That's hilarious. And I'm, and I'm not. There's a button around back there that I can push, 
that then I could go back on the air like when I'm done with this podcast and get back at it. But people don't know. It's just 24 hours of, of just good programming. And that's what makes it fun is you can get on when you, you can schedule it or you can do like I do. I get on sporadically, you know, whenever I feel like it. Sometimes 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on for an hour. Or Saturday, I'll, I can give it 9 o'clock in the morning and I'm on until 7. You can do that too. Oh, wow. You can have folks over and things like my studio. My studio has, uh, I can have two guests on the air. So three of us can be on the air live. Right. Um, there's some, we have cough, you know, this just like a regular radio station. There's cough buttons. If somebody has a cough, they hit a button when they're going to cough and it cuts the mic off. You know, well, obviously on air lights, uh, technology, you can uh, have commercial blocks. You can have your one push button. You know, the, the amazing thing is anybody can do this now. Anybody can do it and be successful. Well, even I can show even though I might show some, I could show somebody how to go from um, being on the air one day to being the top station in the world. I have the I know the formula. The formula is really, really shockingly easy. Really? <laughs> yeah. You want to share it? Yeah. Or you want to do it offline? <laughs> I'll, I'll do it offline. I'll do it offline. But I can, I can, I can get you a hip hop station with graphics, logos, jingles, and you be, um, if not number one, top ten. Yeah, it's fun, man. It's, I might be in, but I'm telling you, we're gonna do it. I know. I mean, it, it's it's just fun. I, I it's one of those things that kept me out of trouble. A lot of my friends when I was young, uh, running around and stuff. I was at home putting together this broadcast and things like that. But it's taught me some valuable skills. You know, I'm able to talk in front of people now. I'm not nervous. Um, I'm able to explain things, even in my day job. Um, I'm able to uh, do good work based off of my practice and being able to do things like a radio show. Well, just from my end, um, the you before technology advanced, the hardest part about having a podcast was like the editing, especially yeah. if you have like video. But now the programs, um, I'm gonna give them a little quick shout out, like uh, like Cast Magic, that will mm -hmm. allow you uh, to do things automatically. So it's really cool. Like there's a couple of button pushes, a couple of things, and you know, automatic. Well, um, what I use is called um, it's called Podcastle. Podcastle records and I edit it, and it adjusts the sounds like on its own. I don't need to worry about EQs. I don't need to worry about sound leveling. It does everything automatically. And then for um, content, I use Cast Magic which automatically creates um, content out of the, what you upload into it. So episode summary, um, pulls quotes out of it, highlights, you know, the whole deal, man. And uh, you used to have to spend hours on one episode. But now, you know, a couple of minutes, maybe like 30 minutes, and you've got a whole podcast episode edited and ready to go. It's really cool. Yeah, the, the technology, you know, that is available today to make things streamlined for anybody that wants to do, whether it's internet radio broadcasting or podcasting, um, any kind of all-night entertainment, even video uh, entertainment is out there. There's video programs that are just absolutely amazing that I use to put together um, commercials and updates about the radio station on YouTube. But I use um, nice software to do my broadcast where you can take your entire playlist, say 500 songs for a day, drop it into software, 
and then you can drop all the liners and commercials you're going to use for that show. And you can do it while you're broadcasting in real time, which makes things fast, efficient, so good that the software that I use is better than what most commercial radio stations use. I use a software um, called from a company called uh, DNR out of Belgium, and this software they proprietary pays a whole. You cost it costs a whole lot of money up front, but it does everything. It, it can you can schedule commercials, music, jingles. It also runs the station behind the scenes when I'm not available. And it's so good that people cannot tell whether I'm live or it's recorded. And that's the amazing part of technology today is you can get it to do anything that you want it to do. And if not, there's software out there that will do it. So if you want to ever learn about radio or internet radio broadcasts, it's really easy to do. There's the thousands of videos out there that are really good. Some of them I may be in. So. Well, that's that's how I learned how to uh, how to start and uh, run and promote a podcast was on YouTube. I followed um, a lot of the information that I found from um, Sebastian Rusk, great podcaster, great podcasting coach, uh, re- really good, um, and just got busy. You know, took all the tips, and um, now here we are. So that's that's the good stuff. Good stuff. Like, um, it's great because when you have an internet radio station or you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel, it's great because um, it allows you to get that artistic expression out of you. You know what I mean? So um, I started this podcast just because I wanted to um, have some great conversations with people and actually get them recorded because um, I have a lot of conversations with people that I say, maybe I should have recorded that so that's why i did it and uh, i feel like uh, that kind of curiosity and that kind of um artistic expression is something that we both share as well so um brother roberts it has been a pleasure and we're gonna listen we can talk for another three hours man so i'm definitely wanting to come back and maybe one day when i come out to seattle we can do a special broadcast from your studio absolutely i look forward to that that'd be amazing I love it. So uh, drop the website again. It's housemusic101.com, right? Yes, housemusic101.com. Um, the broadcast is 24 hours a day. We don't take a day off. It broadcasts on Christmas, New Year's Eve, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, nonstop. nonstop. And it's free. Free is always free. Mm-hmm. My favorite price, it's free 99 <laughs> <laughs> well cool brother listen i love you i'm so happy to have you in my life and uh i'm looking forward to seeing you again soon man get your butt over here i will i'm coming and as for the rest of yins that they say in pennsylvania as for the rest of yins make sure you give this episode a five star rating make sure you uh follow the show on every platform you use make sure you share it I'd like your mama to get you some manners and you share the show. Um, and we're looking forward to talking to you again next week with more uh, with more good stuff. So, but until then, remember, like I always say, live your life, love your people, and always hustle hard. Peace. Thank you for joining us today on Life, Love, and Hustle. We appreciate you and your support more than you know. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone who could benefit from it. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook to continue the conversation and get exclusive access to even more content. We're grateful for your loyalty and we can't wait to see you hustle your way to success. We'll be here for you every step of the way.